Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of a release. This week, we're going down memory lane as we watch spine 139 of the Criterion Collection, Igmar Bergman's Wild Strawberries from 1957. But first, RJ, mm. you feeling what? spooky yet? You, you got that October fever coursing through your veins? I got to be honest with you, Jer. I think I spooked, uh, peak spooked uh, at the halfway point. I was feeling maximum spookiness right then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, because my watching slowed down and I got a little bit busier with uh, that life stuff. And I, I've, I've only really been getting like one a day mm-hmm. since uh, the 15th. And um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm at adequate spook. Yeah. I'm not like maximum spook. I'm not uh, optimal spook. I'm at adequate spook. Well, and at the beginning of the month, we were getting like dreary, cold, miserable weather. And it was yeah. like, it was very like, uh, very dank. And uh, now for the last two weeks, it's like beautiful, sunny weather. It's like, it's it's nicer it's... than it was kind of during the summer where it was like way too hot. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really, really radical uh, weather shift. Well, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah. this doesn't, this doesn't feel like particularly fall-ish. It doesn't make me sad. It doesn't want to make me stay indoors. It kind of makes me feel bad that I'm sitting indoors on my couch in the dark uh, watching me- mediocre uh, horror movies rather than, mm. like, you don't know, walking around, breathing in that yeah. nice, warm fall air. Well, I don't endorse exercise, but, uh, yeah, the weather has been shit because it's, like, freezing in the morning mm-hmm. and then fucking boiling hot at noon. Yeah. And it's just like, this is horseshit. It is. It, really it is, is equal parts the sun, equal parts of Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it, Jarrett. We're turning into a desert, Creepsville. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that sucks. But anyways, yeah, I'm at, I'm a maybe adequate spook. Yeah, I guess you know. Mm-hmm. Way it goes. I'm still doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm at like forty some for the movies. Yeah, I'm at. It's not f- bad. Fifty something. That's, that's pretty good, yeah. Consi- all things considered. Yeah, I mean, you are packing to move mm. out. Actually, this is, is this the last pod this, in? This is, yeah, from my end, uh, this will be the last pod in this particular uh, location. From the origin point. Yep. This is the last one. Wow. Yeah, because uh, your place is long gone, The your original mm-hmm. side, toast in, toast in the past, and now, uh, yeah, this is it. This Your view of... Uh, the kitchen behind me, uh, the cupboards, mm-hmm. uh, you will never see again. I'm glad you brought that up because there's something I've always wanted to ask you. Mm. What's up with those toothbrushes behind you? Those toothbrushes? Yeah. Do you brush your teeth in the kitchen? Yeah. Um, because our our, why? our bathroom sink sucks real bad. Elaborate. It, there's no pressure. There, 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 Elaborate the, 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 the sink is like a drizzle <laughs> of water. Well, how long have you been doing this? Uh, eight years. 
And do you think that this has been so ingrained into your behavior that when you move to the new place, oh. you're going to bring this straight with you? No, 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 no. We'll be taking full advantage of our real bathroom finally. I'm pretty confident that you are a creature of habit and you will continue to do this just out of mm -hmm. comfort. It's one of the things I look forward to most uh, when I'm staying in a hotel room is uh, an actual uh, functioning oh, a sink real in sink? the bathroom. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. No, we had a we had a we've had a plumber come through uh, here twice, and both times they were like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> like, they, there's like nothing oh. they can really do other than like starting from scratch. And it's like, eh, whatever. This, this we, no one comes in here. It's just us yeah. and you watching us judging my toothbrushes. I've I've always wanted to ask. I just uh, now you know, I just never had the courage, I guess. But I, I needed yeah. to ask now since uh, this is the breaking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, it, point. yeah, it'll be a whole new world here. Yeah, speaking of cleanliness and gross people, I got I got an axe to grind, Jarrett. What's that? Uh, so I was at a movie last week, and I went to the bathroom before the movie because that's uh, the fashion, you know. Uh, so I was at, at the urinal, and there was this old guy beside me, and uh, he finished and he zipped up and he walked over to the sinks, and then he stood there for about, I would say, ten seconds, which doesn't sound like long, but count out ten seconds. That's it's a long time. And then he left. So he never, he went to the sinks and like acted like he was going to wash his hands, but the sink never ran. Like I was right beside him. So what was he doing? Like it took more time to pretend to wash his hands than it would have to like hit the sink and give him a little rinse. Like what was he doing anything at the sink? Was he just standing there with his hands he just stood like there. shadow shadow washing? No, he he wasn't adjusting his shirt. He wasn't checking his teeth. He wasn't. He just stood there. <laughs> what is this? Why do people do things like this? Hmm. Why do people have toothbrushes in their kitchen? Why do people not wash their hands but pretend to? I don't understand. I don't understand. Maybe his sink doesn't work either. Maybe, maybe he was brushing and, his And he's a creature of habit, and so he just, like, doesn't wash his hands anymore. You know what's another thing I don't like about bathrooms, Jared? Have you ever been at the university and people are brushing their teeth in the public washrooms? I've seen what that What are happen. they doing? Why are you doing that? Do you just carry your toothbrush around, like, loose in your pocket? Some people like to brush three times a day. Here's another thing, Jared. I was in the bathroom at the university last tell, week. Tell, tell me more, Seinfeld. And there were, what's the deal with university bathrooms? Uh, there was hair all over the sink. It looked like someone had literally shaved their shoulders over the sink because they were like, they were they weren't like beard hairs, but they weren't head hairs. They were they were shoulder length hairs, and it was fucking everywhere. And no, we were not near a dorm. We were nowhere close to it. It was a separate building where only classrooms exist. So what was that guy doing? Oh man, yeah, I. I I don't These are want, the big I, questions. I, I, I don't even want to talk about those. Like university bathroom, no man, it's, it's so gross. It's yeah, just, it's no, real gross. I no. miss my old building because I would always go to the surgery suite. There was like a nice private bathroom there, and no one ever used it. I'd just hang out in there all day, avoid I, being seen by uh, people. My favorite's uh, after you've washed your hands and you go to use paper towels to dry off. There's none, mm. and you just go, oh good. Like why would I need that? And so you get a, I, you go for a walk with your wet hands what's your strategy do you try to shake it off uh usually you know i've uh tried to walk all the way down the one hallway to the next bathroom and by the time i get there my hands are dry so mm. you know what i like to do i give it a little shake and then i use the inside of my shirt or my back pockets and i just kind of like wring them like uh 
like circulate them because it's the inside so it's not as noticeable as if like you can tell if a dude just dried his hands on a shirt Mm -hmm. um yeah i hate bathrooms so how do you so what happens rj i mean we Mm -hmm. we all i don't know if everyone's aware but you're you're kind of a germaphobe uh you have have some hang-ups like how do you get out of the bathroom uh paper towel always and if there is no paper towel in there to open the door handle with uh sometimes i've gotten creative creative sometimes i've opened it with my foot uh one time i was trying to do that and a guy walked in and i was like Gen- i was like doctor and i just left uh other times i will use a part of my clothing that i can get a finger in and then just open up the door handle and then uh and then that shirt or pants whatever immediately in the washing machine when i get home I, and i know that you definitely don't forget about these things i have never forgotten one of these things ever one time jerry this was two years ago i walked to the liquor store and i grabbed the door handle and it was wet on the outside (laughs) of the liquor store yeah yeah do you know how (laughs) much i wanted to just remove my hand from my body but but your alcoholism trumped it my my alcoholism did yes i just i i I purchased my liquor and i poured it on my hand and i ran home and Mm -hmm. i took a complete body shower for i think about an hour well then you Drunk, drink yourself to numbness so you'd forget about this or at least kind of like get over it. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's thera- isn't it? It's therapeutic. Isn't that what it's all about? No. <sighs> well, enough about all that. Hey, RJ. What? Uh, we got listener feedback. Hey, before you hit feedback, uh, we got we our poll closed on Facebook oh, God. with 13 votes. Yeah. 77% <laughs> of people uh, have voted for you to watch Ghost Dad, the 1990s hit movie directed by Sidney Poitier. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, uh, folks. I will watch Ghost Dad once RJ has finished playing through Metal Gear Solid. No, that is not fair. Yep. <laughs> you cannot make promises based on things that will never happen. Well... Touche, and here we go. Uh, listener feedback. Mm-hmm. Oliver just sent a follow-up email uh, regarding the similars that we talked about last week, Ooh, and nice. he wrote, "You got the reason why I told you to watch it when when you first see the women with the shitty beard. I almost lost it. It was just so odd, and it it sure is. It's the best yeah. thing going in that very kind of crappy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got our Frank Solano injection here." Ooh injection is that what you said that's correct oh okay keep going uh he writes go big or go home hello amigos it's frank flooding your email again with my gibberish and for my comment this week i wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about two things one surprisingly how much we have in common and two about that patreon so i decided to go all the way back to episode one and make my way back up only stopping to hear the new episodes as they are released. Well, as I've gone through the first few, I've noticed quite a few things we share in common. Of course, our common interest in the Criterion Collection and other films is the most obvious. Then, mm-hmm. Jared, I share things like drawing and comic books. I'm a nerd like you, buddy. Ooh. I'll attach a sketch I did uh, to this just for you guys to see and for no one else. So that's also something we share now. Okay. Uh, so I uh, s- uh, I sent that on to you there, RJ. It's uh, mm-hmm. some, some, some Hellboy and uh, BPRD action. This is true. This is true. So I own all of these, but I haven't actually read through them yet. Yeah, I tried. So I, I made you buy them. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, well, I like Hellboy. I think he's cool. I just haven't had a because I'm getting the new Omnibus ones that were just released this year, which mm-hmm. is convenient for me. So I haven't started yet because I think the last one comes out next month. But uh, so I know the two guys in the poster in uh, this nice little drawing, but I'm unfamiliar with the other two. And what I would like to know is who 
uh, Frank thinks we are relating to most. Uh, clearly, I'm Hellboy because of his rock-solid abs. And uh, you could be the goggles of the dude in the background. Oh, old Lobster Johnson? Yeah, you could, You yeah. look like a Lobster Johnson. I sure do. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, yes, uh, with, with RJ, I share the fact that the Thin Red Line introduced us to the Criterion Collection. Oh, and neat. that I'm a fellow animal lover. In fact, I have been known to release my neighbor's dogs from their captivity behind the fence, much to my neighbor's disappointment. I'm pretty proud of myself for this. Um, I, I guess it's like, are you releasing them and then they just leave? <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I would be curious to find out some more because uh, I too have had bad neighbors before mm-hmm. who have uh, chained their animals to uh, the concrete pad in the 40 plus degree heat. That's Celsius, so, folks. Yes, that is Celsius. That's I don't know. That's probably like 400 uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. I don't know, but um, yeah, I've uh, I've been there, so uh, I get it, man. I get it. Anyways, you guys are now my spirit animals, and as Ooh. I promised, the Criterion Creeps cult has amassed quite a following. I shared it with my buddy, and now he and I are ready to begin ritual sacrifice. So let me know when you are ready for it, dudes. Uh, that reminds me, uh, RJ and I, uh, we went to Arby's as is our want in life, and I, don't tell people that. <laughs> well, I, one day I'm gonna have to post my our collection of uh, receipts. People when, will when, think when, less of us when, if when they we, know we eat at Arby's. When we, yeah, that's right. Uh, when we give our fake names, and we've, uh, I've been amassing uh, a lot of uh, photos of our uh, fake names, mm-hmm. and they've never caught on to the no. fact that every time we go in, we're not the same people. Once but, a week, yeah, right. Yeah, it's been once a week lately. But these, there's gaps and whatnot. Sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I noticed that uh, one girl, she was wearing her Arby's T-shirt, and on the back it says, "Bacon is my spirit animal." Wow! Look at you bringing it all back. Yeah, and uh, I just that was just like the what yesterday, and uh, yeah, I, I just couldn't help but notice. It's like, oh, and then there's like the uh, the Muslim girl who's like taking our order while this uh, this white girl is walking around with her bacon uh, mm-hmm. eating celebration. It's, uh, it's a problematic. It's, it's a melting pot. It's a mo- actually no, it's a cultural mosaic here in uh, Creepsville. Uh, mm-hmm. We all have to exist with our own uh, prejudices and biases and uh, food preferences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the Patreon, I've been eyeballing mm-hmm. that $50 or more tier, and I've been plodding oh. and mustache turtling over which episode I might like to feature <laughs> on. So that's going to come up soon. Anyways, I'd like to know when was the last time you've had a featured host so I can go and study how we can pa- how we pass the conch in a three-way conversation. Uh, yeah, so for people who don't know, on the on the Wait, Patreon... I, yeah, I don't know anything about this. What is going on? Oh, so, well, yeah, you've, I guess you haven't looked at it. It's been there forever. So okay. if, if, this is the deal on Patreon. So there's, there's, okay. a, there's a $50 tier. This is like top-tier stuff. So if you give us uh, 50 bucks uh, for one month, you uh, will guarantee yourself a slot... Uh, being a co-host for one episode uh, of a movie mm. of your choice with the with the two of us, uh, and that's about how it would go. We've actually only done one episode with uh, yeah. one other person with uh, old Evan, my buddy, when he mm-hmm. was out in Nova Scotia, and that was the Andre Rublev episode. I'm not sure what episode number that was, but uh, I thought it yep. flowed fairly well. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed it seemed to open itself up fairly easily, so that would be your reference point. And for anyone else who's ever thought about it, who uh, just happens to have fifty bucks burning a hole in their pocket, hmm. this is a good deterrent because I get asked by people uh, semi occasionally uh, to be on the pod, and I'll say, "Hey, listen, 
you can, but my friend has pretty strict rules about uh, this $50 buy-in, which I didn't actually know about uh, <laughs> until now. But uh, yeah, I would, uh, I'd be cool with that. Uh, isn't this, isn't our friend Frank Solano a big fan of Wong Kar Wai? Uh, he, that he is, and there is well, that in the mood for love coming up in a couple months. It's it's in like eight episodes or yeah. so. So, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be rad. See what's going on, and uh, I'm cool with being spirit animals. Uh, I I take it we are still the brother moose from uh, Brother Bear, which I did put a picture of that out on that Instagram. I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So spoiler yeah. warning, I'm really going to throw some serious green around soon because, you know, either go big or go home. And I think it's worth it. I really like listening to you guys and money is the only real method for appreciation. So let's call it <laughs> early Christmas. That's right. M- money is the common denominator in all things, sadly, mm. in our mm-hmm. uh, current era. Uh, and so here's our drawing. Did an hour and a half of listening to the podcast. Uh, laughing my ass off because you guys are pretty funny. So, yeah, I blame you. Hope you guys yes. like it. We do. Uh, that's it for feedback. Hey, RJ. Oh, what? Why? What were you going to say? I was going to say what you're, you're going to e- creeping on, but you were going to say You're not even going to let else. me acknowledge this, uh, this nice message? Go for it. Was it was nice. I appreciate it. Great. I appreciate you, man. You don't have to contribute. That's true. No, no one has to. No one to. has to do anything. No one has to, but it's, uh, it's always nice. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I do not have any access to this. Jarrett keeps it locked up. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even use it to buy Arby's. So, I don't know. He he claims there are fees with uh, other things and all that, and uh, buying me the microphone and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't really listen to money talks. What were you ta- saying about before? What you been creeping on, RJ? Oh, baby! I, I heard there's some theatrical experience with dudes not washing their hands. Yeah. So I was at the theater uh, th- just this week. Uh, it seems to be a trend. I've been hitting that theater a lot. You have been. Um, I think it'll slow down maybe, uh, as the next couple months, uh, change for me, um, career wise, not career wise, lifestyle wise, I guess. So anyways, I was at the theater. I wanted to check out this Halloween movie as it is the Halloween season. And, uh, we're a little light on the ghoul schools because I'm busy. You're busy. We're trying guys. This is a tough year. Uh, but I wanted to go check out this Halloween. We wanted to go together, but it just didn't work. No. So, uh, I checked out this Blumhouse Halloween, which, uh, people, I think people know this Blumhouse is a big deal for us. Um, a big deal, not in like that we love (laughs) Blumhouse, but, uh, we have things to say about Blumhouse. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the resurrection of the Halloween franchise by, uh, Criterion alumni director, David. David Gordon, Gordon Green. Green. He's coming. He's coming up in like probably three months or something. Yeah, he uh, that George Washington is real soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to check out this this Blumhouse movie by David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride. Uh, I gotta say first. Um, so you you heard of that Happy Death Day movie? Yep. So I heard it was good, and I have it, and I've wanted to watch it. Before this movie, there is a preview for Happy Death Day two, and in the preview. They completely spoil the first movie Uh, in the fashion of the first 20 seconds. It's like, all right, so here's the deal in like a very 80 playful 80s like recap thing. It's like, so I was waking up every day and I was getting killed and there was a murderer. And then I found out it was this person and this is how I defeated them. And my life was awesome. And now here I am. And I was like, oh, man, like it's not a big deal. 
Like, I don't care that much that yeah. it was spoiled, but I was like, I was like, that's that's weird that that's they would the, just. I, I guess that's on you, having not watched the first one yet. <laughs> I guess after all this time. I guess, but I don't know. I thought it was a weird tactic. Anyways, anyways, um, what was I talking about? Halloween. Okay, yeah. So this is forty years in the making. Uh, people know the eleventh, like the eleventh uh, Halloween, eleventh Halloween movie, the tenth with Michael Myers. Yep. Uh, actually, that reminds me. I should state up front that uh, I have seen one, two, three, and the two Rob Zombies. So I haven't seen any of those middle ones. So I don't know if I was the perfect like. I'm sure there were things, elements from this movie that were from each one. Uh, I spotted the Rob Zombie ones. I can tell you about those. Uh, And then the very obvious uh, first ones, because there's a lot of like almost direct mimicry of uh, some of that first stuff. Anyways, let's talk about Halloween, Jared. So Michael Myers, uh, this one ignores all 10 of those sequels. uh, And he was caught the night uh, that one first Halloween night. And he's been in a mental institution for 40 years. Uh, and then what happens is he's on a bus getting transferred. The bus crashes and he is on the loose again in Haddonfield after 40 years. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode herself, has been fearing and preparing for this day her, for 40 years. Uh, what is that? What, what is that? That's some, I'm just giving you some Halloween music. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, I'll keep talking over that. Yeah, so the score is uh, not bad in this. Uh, it's John and his son, Cody Carpenter. It's basically the same thing, but with like sick guitar riffs over it. It's like, um, it's fine. Uh, so anyways, Michael Myers is out. Laurie Strode is there. And uh, what you find out is that Laurie Strode had a daughter and a granddaughter and she really like alienated herself with her daughter and her daughter was taken away from her because she was kind of like she was like uh one of those what are those like survivor prepper people that like prep for the survivalists yeah or or yeah doomsday preppers or something like that yeah she's basically that like uh she makes her daughter do like all sorts of uh gun training and their house is has all these traps in it and things like that like she so her daughter was taken away and then they have a rocky relationship, but the daughter's daughter, her granddaughter, uh, they're kind of cool together because that's how things always work. Um, the daughter is married to Toby Huss, which I found distracting because he is the whiz and nobody beats him. Uh, you know him from Seinfeld. Um, you got like Will Patton in here. Um, Judy Greer. I don't really like her. So I found her distracting. Uh, there's the new Laurie Strode, the granddaughter. She was fine. Uh, and then you have an assortment of like teen Metro teen boys, all with like kind of long curly hair. And they all have a, a certain manner of uh, acting. So this movie, Jared, I haven't even talked about it yet. It's it's OK to bad. I would say it's in between bad and OK. Uh, the parts that are good. There is about 10 minutes of Michael Myers walking around Haddonfield, uh, Haddonfield just going into people's houses and uh, murking them. Uh, that's actually pretty cool because he's kind of like just mindlessly wandering around walking into people's houses and then he'll kill them and then he'll just leave and then he'll go into the next house and do that. I thought that was actually pretty cool. I was like, yeah, that's nice. Uh, that's almost the only thing I like about this movie. Uh, 
like it's it's a new movie. It's put together real well. It's real shiny. It's okay, but there's a lot of stuff that I was just like, what? I was like, what is going on here? Uh, first off, this movie is so 2018 woke that it is like at times I think it's kind of laughable. Uh, so you start with this movie and you have uh, investigative journalists uh, who are actually podcasters, <laughs> uh, serial style, going to the psychiatric asylum to confront Michael Myers for their podcast. Uh, and like they're used mostly as exposition. So it's like sure. uh, they're like Michael Myers has been in this facility for 40 years. Like, yeah, sure. That's a nice way to recap stuff for people. What uh, kind like, of microphones do they use when they're uh, interviewing uh, it's, Michael? It's like it's yeah, like, like a some, handheld some, thing, uh, like a Marantz or a Zoom. I don't, come come on, you always, a Zoom. Yeah, you don't know. You don't kind know. of. I was, it was like, of, is it a Blue Yeti? <laughs> well, it it looks like a phone, but it has like two little antenna things oh, on top. Yeah, it's like a, an that, old tape recorder thing. Yeah, it's a Zoom, but okay. fancy. Okay, so they're using that. And uh, these podcasters are like kind of super annoying because they go around. They're like, we're podcasters. We're journalists. And you're like, come on. Like, I get why it's in here. uh, But I think it's been done. Uh, Your buddy, Kevin Smith, did it first in uh, that Tusk movie for these (laughs) investigative journalist podcasters. So it's been done. Uh, It's really weird, though. This movie, like that intro Michael Myers is chained up outside, and the podcasters go and confront him with the mask. Oh, and then is, the guy gets is, is real like mad. The, was it like they're on the, like the chessboard? Like, yeah, it is. Oh. It's like everything's sectioned out, so it's like they try to make it sound like it's this behavioralist thing where it's like they're quartered off into their sections, but they're all it, so it's like don't go in their square, and they like explain it a little bit. But I was like, uh, that's just like trying to fit style in here and trying to explain it where they could have just like had an element of that and not anyways but he's out there and they hold up the mask and the podcaster's like say something say something do they, uh, yelling at him jesus do they show, it, do they oh. ever show his face or is it always like obscure oh, yeah, they show his face a bunch oh really not hmm. a not a bunch but you see it enough like i would say five times you see it from a, a side angle but with all five of those side angles you see his whole face okay so they're not trying to be like super clever in all the camera work to disguise it that's interesting no, no they show they show his face okay. uh never dead on but so anyways uh there's this weird fascination with this movie where everyone's trying to get michael myers to talk and i'm like what is this is this like a trend that goes through all the movies where people are just like say something man uh, so I thought that was lame. Does he say something by the end? No, because oh. he's he's just like a mute guy who goes around and murders people. That's that's. I mean, that's a success then. I guess, yeah. Uh, but it is brought up a lot. So you have these investigative journalists, uh, and then you have the new boomis uh, doctor who is actually called in this movie, Jarrett. Hey, you're the new boomis, uh, is what uh, Jamie Lee Curtis says. So he's going around. That guy sucks major. He is a shitty, like, he's like, I don't know, Italian or something. But it seems like he's trying oh, to do oh. an impersonation of Loomis. But at the, he's, he's just, like Donald Pleasance. Yeah, he's yeah. like trying. But it, at the same, I don't know. It's it's just kind of goofy. You're like, oh, all right, whatever. So you have that. Uh, what was I talking about? Woke stuff. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of like... Um, nice guy stuff in this like guys who are like i was nice to you give me a kiss and you're like okay like i get that that's a good message this movie that's featuring like three generations of women 
but then I think they like kind of laid on way too thick to the point where there's this scene where it's an old guy and like uh, a 12 year old kid driving in a car and uh the dad's like yeah we're gonna have so much fun this weekend uh, they're the ones who like first come upon the uh crashed uh transport and the kid who has this weird like it's kind of like a grainy voice like this but he's 10 years old and it's like why is that kid ma- like voice like that anyways so the kid's like you know dad i really enjoy hunting with you but i could be doing other stuff right now like i really i want to be at dance and the dad is like He's like, what do you mean dance? You want to dance over hunting? He's like, yeah, dad, dance is really important to me. Like I need to be a dance. And I was like, what is it? Like, it's, I get the sentiment to it. It's like, yeah, sure. Little kids should be able, or little boys should be able to dance. Who gives a shit? But it comes off like kind of, I don't know. It, it had the opposite re- reaction on me where it was just like, I feel like this is worse than if they, if someone actually had those feelings, it's like, yeah, this is a worse way to present that. It was like superficial, I guess, mm. where it comes off as like they don't know how to present it, but they're like, we needed to have this moment with this kid who loves dance. And I was like, all right, that's really goofy. Um, there's like stuff in this that drive really drove me crazy. So when this movie was announced, uh, everyone was talking about the shape because, uh, in the original script, uh, he was mentioned as the shape and not Michael Myers. So there's this whole big thing about how they call him the shape. And even Jamie Lee Curtis at a point is like, I saw the shape and I was like, come on. I was like, what? Like, who is that for? Who, who is that for Jared? Mm-hmm. Uh, so because like the, the shape is in the credits for the first movie too sure like, so it's, it is a thing but like no one in the movie universe should ever say that ever well they're like i and like they try to play it off where it's like she sees a silhouette of michael myers so she's like i saw the shape oh, fuck off. and it's like come on like there's so much stuff that it seems really on the nose that you're like why it's like who thought that was a good idea um, this movie has a ton of like weird plot holes where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why is it doing that? Where there's a lot of, there's straight plot holes and then there's like a lot of conflicting or contradictory things. So, uh, the most I found was with like Jamie Lee Curtis, where she's equal parts, this super tough survivor person training for things and then equal parts victim, which like, yeah, that can happen with a lot of people who go through like traumatic, uh, traumatic events and they have like that post-traumatic stress or any, any kind of like, uh, men- mental or physical response to those things right but i found it was really inconsistent with her where it would you'd see like the montage of her like shooting uh all these like mannequins and then you see her in her house and she's like i don't know what to do and it's like okay sure like maybe in that moment you don't know what to do but there's a part jared where she knows that he's outside outside the front door She's like, I know he's out there. She saw him through the window of the door. And uh, she's like, all right, this is my moment. And then she puts her whole body up against the door that has windows in it. And she's like, I'm waiting for you. And she's like not facing the door anymore, even though she she knows he's on the other side. So very obviously his like arms just come through the window. And I, I really I was. I was like, I don't get this. I was like, why would she do that if she was like training for 40 fucking years to do this thing? He's on the other side. Just shoot him. 
Like, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, her whole strategy of stuff doesn't make any sense. Her whole house is set up where it's, like, uh, you can, like, put down a Pekka roll shutter security gate at the door uh, for every room. And she'll go in to see if he's in the room, and then she'll hit it so he can't go back in there. And it's, like, well, if you think he's in that room, why don't you just lay down that Pekka roll shutter at the start? And if he's in there, now he's stuck. Like, doesn't that make more sense? Uh, she also has a room in her house full of mannequins. Why? So that he can hide in them later. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to my next point. So hey, you know, some mannequins are expensive, eh? They're uh, they're they're not cheap. And so she's shooting these things just because oh, it's what they she's do. got it, hundreds, Jared, hundreds oh, of these. Oh, she just found them at the uh, sure. at the movie at prop the shop. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so he's hiding in those things, and this brings me to my next thing. I have not seen all of these movies. But there is a really weird quality that Michael Myers has in this movie that I, I'm like, I don't know if this is something that has always been the case. And even so, it's like, I don't really get why that's the case. So he'll kill people, but then he's super playful about it, where it's like he'll kill the babysitter and then he puts a sheet over her head and cuts out little triangle eyepieces. So it's like spooky like a ghost. And then he just leaves it and he's like, man, that's really going to spook the shit out of whoever <laughs> finds this. There's like one like that. And there's one that'll spoil. He uh, cuts a guy's head off and then carves out his head and then puts the flashlight in the head. So it's like a jack-o'-lantern. And I was like, when would he have time to do this? <laughs> Why would he do this? And it's like, and like, what's the point of having this in the movie anyways to make him more like psychotic? More I thought it was whole- up. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, that's fucked. I thought, like, the whole point of him was that it's, like, he's just kind of this this force that goes through stuff. Because they even mock him. They even, there's a whole plot point about, like, what is his motivation? Why does he do it? And I was like, well, I thought it was just because they say that he's this evil force that can't be stopped. It's like, okay, hey, I get that. But then when he does all this, like, really goofy shit and, like, plays around with with things, I'm like, I don't understand that, like, at all. Um, then I don't know. There, there's stuff that I find like I think the ending is really goofy. There's like so in Laurie Strode's house, she has this thing set up where like the kitchen island can like move over and it's a panic room and then it can move back. And they do like really dumb stuff like he's looking for them and he's in the kitchen and then he just knows to like push over this island and like to just shake it to see if they're underneath. It's like, all right, like why did that happen? It's a lot of stuff like that. You're like, I don't know why the characters would think to do that stuff. It doesn't really make sense. So I don't know if those, those things were edited out, but there's a lot like that. And, uh, which brings me to my final point. Uh, the point that I think I've laughed, laughed hardest at, in a movie theater in the last like two, three years was when the new Loomis is walking around the neighborhood and uh, everyone's like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm a doctor, lock your doors. And then everyone screams and runs inside. And it was like, what? I was like, it's like, why, why, where did that come from? Why do these people believe him? What was he hoping to achieve with this? Like it doesn't, there's so much stuff like that. It, It just, it really doesn't make sense. So, uh, I when I first saw this, I was like little warmer on it. I was like, eh, it's not great. But uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, this movie's got some pretty lame shit in it. Um, really inconsistent, kind of all over the place. I was expecting a lot more from uh, this uh, David Gordon Green guy, but I guess don't ever expect or hope for anything. How do you think uh, that uh, sh- uh, what you would call it, Suspiria? Uh, 
remake-y kind of thing is going to do in comparison? Uh, I doubt it'll do good at all because I think it's going to be too too garish for uh, the normal crowd. And then I think there will be super, I don't know, maybe I'll like it. But just going off of what I think going into it, I think there will be a lot of pretentious people who are like, yeah, man, it's the best thing that's ever happened. And then you'll watch it and you'll be like, mm, I don't know. It's kind of like uh, that hereditary vibe that people get. Um, like my, I know my viewing was tainted, but uh, I still people want to know what you think, Jer. It's going to happen. There, there, there's still a big divide on uh, whether or not this movie's good. I've got a week. I've got a week to nail it. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my long, long rant on. Yeah, that. shut up. So I think that you would really, really not like this movie. I bet you'd give it like one and a half, two stars. Yeah, I'll have to see it one day. Um, but you should definitely watch it. But yeah, one one day. Yeah, well, I'll see it with some distance, as always. That seems to be mm-hmm. like my comfort. I I haven't seen a movie in the theater since May. That was Isle mm-hmm. of Dogs. Oh yeah, nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Should I talk anymore? Or did I talk about Halloween for a uh, long enough time? Yeah, you you went a ways there. Uh, tell me tell me about Scream. You want to hear about Scream? Yeah, tell me tell me about Scream. You don't want to hear about children shouldn't play with dead well, things. I'll, I'll, you can tell me after Scream. Tell okay, me a little so bit about Scream. Tell me about, me tell me about your rewatch in your '90s sweat and and Andy picks. <laughs> Do you know why I take things as '90s sweat? I don't care. Okay, we'll leave it out there. So I rewatched Scream by friend of the show, uh, Wes Craven. It's probably been maybe 10, 15 plus years since I've seen Scream. Uh, Andrea had never seen Scream. And uh, she she like uh, near the end, like until it becomes really obvious, she was like, she was actually like, I wonder who the killer is. Yeah. She didn't know, man. And there's so, two killers. And there's two. She did say that at one point. She's like, is there going to be two of them? And I was like, oh, yeah, pretty astute, baby. Uh, anyway, so I watched Scream. Uh, I think Scream is equal parts uh, really, really good and almost timelessly good at parts and then also super dated at times yeah. where not that the dated takes away from it uh like the obvious 90s things like house phones and cell phones and that kind of stuff like i don't that doesn't bother me at all there's um there are things about some of scream that i'm like eh, i i'm like i don't think this is as effective 20 years later like the can the entire premise of the the killer basically where it's like constant reference to horror movies uh which i still think is a really cool idea but i think the way it's presented in scream watching it now so so far removed from it some of it comes off a little dorky where it's like where he's like who is the killer in friday 13th and it's like jason's like no it wasn't he's like you're gonna die drew barrymore (laughs) like so like stuff like that i'm like that's a little goofy um but i do really like the idea of how they build up that and then making the costume super generic so that it plays off where it's like kids in the high school are doing it. Even though I actually kind of think Ghostface sucks as a, a costume, uh, I do like how it gets played in this movie. Um, I don't know. This movie's pretty good, man. Like there, There's a lot of really strong stuff in Scream. Uh, the one thing I think is actually like amazing, which isn't like new hat people say this all the time but the intro that opening scene is so so effective mm-hmm. uh for me it's 
So it's not all the buildup, which is is actually pretty good. Like that whole buildup to it is really good. But what I find like most upsetting about that scene is uh, when her parent, when Drew Barrymore's mm-hmm. parents get home, and they know something's wrong. So the mom picks up the phone to call the police, and she can hear Drew Barrymore on the other end, but they can't find her. Yeah, I think that is like. That's crazy. I got goosebumps watching that because I didn't remember that oh, part. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that's good, man. Yeah, cool. Because her, like her like throat's fucked up. And she's like, mom. Yeah, she oh. mom. <laughs> yeah. But the idea, it's so like morbid uh, or macabre, mm. uh, maybe that like her parents can hear her dying and they like don't know where she is. It's just on the other end of the phone. That's uh, good stuff. Yeah. It's real uh, good stuff. Yeah, this is one of those movies I had on VHS, and I remember like the the opening of this movie is just so effective. It gets so, oh, yeah. uh, so concise, and it's like uh, yeah, cooking the popcorn. It's just like the slow thing. The the great scream voice. Yeah, the the voice is really good, uh, and it's like I said, I actually think the idea is like really cool. I just think some of it is it's a little lost in time, like the way it gets played out a little bit with uh, all that stuff, but. Uh, yeah, man, this movie's got some good stuff. Leave Schreiber is in it for a hot second and uh, has no dialogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, w. Earl Brown, he's in this bad boy. That's pretty cool. Mm, de- Deputy Duty, whatever. What's uh, Dewey? Dewey. Yeah, Dewey is pretty funny. Future uh, WCW uh, champion. Yeah, he's ready to rumble. Uh, David Arquette is pretty funny in this. Yeah. Um, Nev Campbell's good. Uh, Courtney Ta- Cox is fine. Um, Rose McGowan. She's fine. Skeet Ulrich is, I don't know how he was a person. <laughs> he was a big deal. Like, he I, was don't, a, I, I don't, I don't really know either, don't know I don't, but he was, uh, but yeah, that, that was like, a yeah, uh, man. He, like he, I kind of get Matthew Lillard. Like I think Matthew Lillard isn't a great actor, mm-hmm. but he does have like a kind of funny charm about him. Like a certain quality where it's like, yeah, I can see why he why he was in so many movies and uh later in twin peaks the return uh he was in there for a while but yeah skeet Ulrich is uh that one uh that one confuses me i don't get it but anyways uh i don't know if there's anything else you want to hear about scream i actually think scream holds up pretty well cool that's good uh, i'm glad because i've always had a i remember like re-watching it mm, probably yeah. like 10 years ago or so and being like this movie's not as perfect as I remember it being because I watched the shit out of it like it really like yeah. this movie um, like when it came out uh, I remember like getting this on tape uh, actually yeah. I remember my parents saw this in theater and like because my they do not go they did not go to the theater very much but this movie was a big deal when it came out and they loved it they were like oh it was so good and uh, then I remember I can't remember if I actually got to see this in theater or if I had to wait till it came out on tape because it was R rated. But in Canada, we have like a different system, so yeah. I, I, I'm I'm kind of foggy on if whether or not I saw this in theater or not. But yeah, it was uh, it left its mark, and I remember being just like, uh, this pretty well started me being obsessed with slasher movies like all yep. through like grade nine or whatever, and like watching like uh the Halloween movies and then, then watching mm-hmm. Halloween three and being like, this is like the worst piece of shit ever. And now I'm like, yeah. Halloween three is like some of the best shit ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. So uh, actually, yeah, yeah, no screams, not perfect, but I was going to say, okay, you oh, finish your thought. Oh, I was going to say, so that's the one thing you didn't really mention about your Halloween experience. Was mm-hmm. Halloween scary? Was it, did it, did no. it, did, 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 yeah, okay. I was just curious if it like, cause sometimes like when you watch this stuff in theater, yeah. it's like way more 
like kind of like when they do the jump scare stuff, it's like kind of annoying because it's mm-hmm. like they're trying to like make everyone in the theater go, oh, and that's why I kind of hate seeing stuff like that in theater uh, mm-hmm. because other people jump and it kind of like freaks me out because I'm like, I don't know, other people scare me more than fictional movies. Yep. But I, was just I don't think that. there's too heavy jump scare stuff. Actually, at the university, um, there was some a group of people talking about this, and they're like, "I heard people were passing out in the theater because it was so scary." Oh, fuck off! And I was like, "No, come on, it's not scary at all." Are these like, the, the same losers who are like, "It is the scariest movie I've ever seen." Uh, it's possible. It's like it. <laughs> it's like what it's part? You the, the 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 fucking accordion, whatever the accordion musical box, the clown, <laughs> the. <laughs> so yeah anyways scream it's not perfect i was gonna say though i think it's i think they really do they do a really good job on the ending when the the killers are unmasked and then it shows like how bad they are at it because the whole time andrew is like why is the killer so bad at this i was like i was like well i think it's part of like the shtick like what they're trying to go for with this movie and then uh because at the end they have like a good plan but they do it in the wrong order where it's like they like when they do this stuff to each other, then they're like real weak and then they can't like fit follow through with what they're trying to get done. I think it's good. It's really funny. So yeah, no scream's pretty good. Scream is pretty good. Nice. Should I talk about anything you, else? You, you can tell, you, well, I don't know. Where are we at? Uh, almost an hour going here. Jeez. <laughs> uh, you tell me a little bit about these kids movies you watched. Okay. So I watched a couple kids' movies. The first was Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things by Bob Clark. That's right. The director of Porky's himself, Bob Clark. Black Christmas. I know that's what you were itching to say. The Baby Geniuses movies. Uh, I don't really re- remember why I watched this. Maybe because of Black Christmas. Um, I knew nothing about it. Uh, it's actually uh, – I thought it was actually really good. Um, it is a group of like teenagers led by this – one really dramatic like actor guy they go out to the woods to do kind of like a ritual and the actor guy kind of like cons them in he's like it's a performance piece uh and he's like all about this and they're like kind of drama kids so they go along with it and this guy like sets them up where he has his friends like dressed up like dead people uh to like come out as if he resurrected them but then it gets to the point where he actually like they dig up a real dead body and they're just kind of like like bringing it around places like they put it on the couch and they like sit with it and uh most of the people are like uh this doesn't really seem like okay but the main drama guy is like he's he's really good at being super smarmy and is like what's your issue need a tissue like (laughs) annoying stuff like that Uh but he's actually like kind of convincing so they go along with it and uh so it's like them playing with these dead bodies and then by chance uh he they actually do kind of bring them out and there's some zombie stuff uh i i thought this movie was pretty good man like it's got some really cool images in it uh like when the zombies come out and i think the first half of this movie where it's all it's basically them just like digging up a a dead body and this guy being like super inappropriate with it and putting everyone off i thought that was done really nice where it's like it's like that's pretty like not scary but it's like that's pretty gross what this guy's doing and they're all like really off put by it uh that it's good i I like that i think uh that could have been a movie on its own where it didn't actually go to like zombie stuff uh it just wouldn't 
I don't know who that movie would have been for other than like maybe me Mm. where it's like this really shitty guy making other people do shitty things. And then you're like, oh yeah, that guy does suck. So yeah, children should play with dead things. It's actually pretty good. I think people should check it out. Yeah. It's always been on my radar as one of those Canadian horror movies that I should uh, get around to watching one day, but there's like no real definitive version of this on blu-ray or home video i don't think so it's always like never just come up because there's no been like great copy to buy it's like so i'm just been waiting around for that and it's not been one of those movies where i'm like i have to get around to watching that mm-hmm. right away even though i definitely do have a copy of it kicking around somewhere or other i would Wink. watch it next year i think it's pretty good are you going to watch that death dream yeah uh a movie jared snuck into my uh creep pack and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I discovered it is from Bob Clark as well. So uh, I will watch that death dream maybe after I uh, finish all the Baby Geniuses movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, ch- children shouldn't play with dead things. Pretty good. Pretty real good. And then I watched Dead Kids, which I'll just talk about real briefly because you've met, talked about this before. A.K.A. Strange. Strange Behavior. Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, I thought this movie was really good, too. Um I won't talk about a whole lot. You you mentioned it, but there's uh, the thing I liked in this movie is it's all about like behavioralism, like BF Skinner and uh, like academic research and like stimulus response behavior. And being a guy who worked in an animal behavior lab for so many years and basically what I did was stimulus response behavior and Skinner type stuff. I thought this movie was awesome. Because I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's a fun movie. Like they do these experiments and then they do them on people. I was like, I like it. It checks out. The science checks out, Jarrett. Yeah. The science checks out. And it's like a a well-made, well-told kind of like high school movie. Yeah, it is. It's like a well, uh, a really good high school movie. One scene I thought was awesome is they go to a Halloween party. Oh, there's a Halloween movie too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. they go to a Halloween party and the one guy gets there and he starts dancing and the way he dances is like so comedic and it seems like so genuine. It's like that can't the way he dances. It's unbelievable. Uh, but that, and then there's a really good mask. It's like this bald guy who kind of looks like Homer Simpson. It's awesome. Wicked good mask. So yeah, dead kids, uh, also really good. Those are my dead kid movie for the week. And, uh, I liked them both. Cool. While you were watching Dead Kids, I was watching a movie called Dead Birds. What? Yeah. Did any birds die in that movie? No. Some people complain that this is a very misleading title. Uh, so the reason this came up was so this movie is written by Simon Barrett, uh, who's written such films as The Guest mm-hmm. and You're Next uh, oh. and, and uh, Blair Witch, the third installment of the Blair Witch series. Um, the third of the Adam Wingard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Directives. He's, he's, he's worked with that Wingard a little bit, uh, a horrible way to die that you're next. Uh, he's written some parts of VHS, VHS two. Not sure which ones exactly, but, uh, back in like whatever this was, 2003, when this, uh, first one came out is dead birds. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a horror Western. Really? Can you elaborate on what that means? Or it is, is it like a S. Craig Zoller? It, it, it is like 1863, and uh, it opens up. So it's like whatever during the Civil War, and uh, some some bandits come into town. They rob a Ooh. bank. They they blow some dudes away. Headshots abound as they rob the bank, kill some soldiers, make off with some loot, and they 
you know, they, one of the guys feels bad because like a kid gets gets gunned down in a hail of gunfire oh, because of this, uh, and they kind of ride along, and then they come across a plantation. And that's like where they're going to hole up for the night. And of course, spooky things happen while they're doing that. So this movie is like, I never heard of it. And then it just came up the other day as kind of this like kind of nice little like independent, like kind of horror Western thing. And I'm like, well, that sounds right mm-hmm. up my alley. I like those horrors. I like those Westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie is fine. I was watching it kind of late at night and I'm, I'm pretty sure I did like kind of like fade out at a couple points because it's just like it's a it is a quiet movie um with mm-hmm. like characters just kind of like moving room to room uh it's, it has michael shannon in it uh so Ooh. yeah wait when did this movie come out 2004 weird yeah no this movie's like has a, it's a much higher pedigree than you'd ever expect especially based on the movie poster which is just mm. like this generic looking zombie thing but there's like a yeah. There's like a scarecrow that they come across before they get there. And they're like, so, you know, it's just looking at it. You're like, you know, there's like a body underneath it. Um, hmm. But then it's just like, there's like some like chupacabra kind of stuff going on, but like not exactly. Hmm. Um, then he starts kind of getting into Hellraiser territory with uh, rituals and like people being skinned alive for immortality and crazy nice. old men being uh, crucified and left to hang and stuff like that. Uh, it's a kind of an old fashioned spook show. Mm-hmm. It's not like some great piece of undiscovered horror making or anything like that. But as far as like these types of things go, it's like, well, that's a pretty solid movie and that's like way above the pack. So mm-hmm. I like that just fine. Um, I also watched uh, a film called Jennifer's Body. Um, oh my God. That Temple Grandin movie? <laughs> for some reason, RJ just likes to say this. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Temple Grandin, uh, Diablo Cody, same difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a movie that is like whatever a Diablo Cody script that got dusted off after the success of Juno I think is mm-hmm. how this came about uh, this this was, this was like a project for uh, old uh, well, Megan Fox uh, who this is when a period of time when she was the hotness she was come, mm-hmm. worked doing those Transformers movies and everyone was like oh man she's so hot right but that was before those, finger, those uh, pictures of her thumbs came out and uh, really sunk her career is that because people think that her thumbs are her big toes? Yeah. You, okay. You've heard, you know all about that. I've heard the rumor. Yeah. So I've, I had never seen a Megan Fox movie in my entire life till I watched Jennifer's body. Not uh, even like transformers. Not a one, not even Jonah hex. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so going. this is probably the last one I'll be watching. It's got, and it's got, what's her name? The, um, the one kind of the, the dumb girl from mean girls. Uh, yeah, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, it's the one from Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, she's in that too. Before she Jeez. dies, wink. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Jennifer's Body. This movie was this 2009. Sure, it's almost 10 years old. Uh, movie about this these two friends in high school. They go to a party. They meet uh, a band who are actually a bunch of like aspiring Satanists who sacrifice a virgin. And of course, mm-hmm. Megan Fox's character is not. And uh, so she comes back as sort of this like flesh eating monster demon thing uh, to keep her youth and beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just things happen. Uh, this is uh, pretty much exactly what I expected kind of mainstream horror stuff. Nothing mm-hmm. particularly of note happens at all. Um, it wasn't like a bad time watching, it, it went by pretty effortlessly. But there comes mm-hmm. a point where I'm watching and I'm like, 
why is this movie still happening? Like, this is like an hour and a half. And I realized, oh no, this movie's like an hour and 47 minutes. And it's just brutal. Mm. It does not need to be that long at all. Um, Big if true. Yeah. It's like, it's just such a, it overstays its welcome. And that's kind of the biggest problem with it. Because by the end of it, you're just like, I hate this movie. Um, and I noted that when you uh, logged this movie on Letterboxd for yourself, uh, you mm-hmm. gave this like one and a half stars, something like that, um, which is some real uh, some real hate coming this movie's way from yeah, you. Yeah, that's pre, or that's like early day Letterboxd that we've talked about where I didn't really know how star ratings worked. But uh, I've, I think I've since, uh, I'm trying to remove ratings like that for movies that have been so long since I've seen them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jennifer's body, that, uh, temple Grandin movie. It's cause of Juno, Juno temple. Isn't that what temple Grandin? I don't know. I, I don't Jared, know. I don't love know. me. I don't know what you're doing here. All right. Whatever. Did, did you have any memories of this movie? No, not at all. Yeah. I just remember that one line of dialogue where it's like, you got a tampon. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was it. Yes. Yeah, oh, I thought maybe you're gushing. Oh, it's just, it's that Diablo Cody dialogue that like aged real, real fast. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as these movies came out, it was like, ooh, no one, no one's ever talked like this in history, which is like, not like a strike against like, hey, playwrights can write certain ways and it can work. And this is just like, this is just like so try hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I also watched Fright Night Part 2. They made uh, two? Yeah, well, they made actually two twos because uh, they, they, well, there's Fright Night and then there's Fright Night Part 2. And then there's the Fright Night uh, remake with uh, Colin Farrell. And then there's mm-hmm. a sequel to that one. What? When did they make a sequel to that? It's a uh, direct-to-video. And, uh, oh, okay. yeah, I think it's uh, probably the worst installment of the, the Fright Night franchise. Likely. Uh, yeah, so Fright Night, the original, is one of those movies that, like, I've never been super hot on. Some people consider it, like, an all-time banger 80s horror classic. I've always thought mm-hmm. it was, like, okay. Uh, the music, the, the song Fright Night is wicked. Um, but sure. the, movie's, the movie's fine. I've got that uh, overpriced Twilight uh, Time Blu-ray. And it's mm-hmm. it's good. Nothing, no great shakes. That's how it, a lot of the vampire movies are, like Near Dark and stuff like that. People like them more, I think, the idea of them rather than like I think these are actually good movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, so this Fright Night Part Two, though, so this movie's like has no real official video release. Uh, it's, so it's kind of like hard to actually track down unless you just do it completely illegally because there's no official copy of it except for like some like German bootleg of it that's in widescreen. Mm-hmm. So I got myself a copy, decided this is going to be it. This is the Halloween I'm watching this movie. Um, and it's fine. Like, it's not as good as the first Fright Night. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a terrible movie. Uh, some people, like, really are down on this, weirdly enough. But I feel like maybe because they have such a high regard for the first Fright Night that this just seems like such a departure. But I don't know. Uh, this is probably the same as, like, a Phantasm sequel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And like I'm never I'm not that crazy about Phantasm either, but I'm kind of an outlier in that uh, department. Um, I thought Phantasm was fine. Yeah, it's not amazing. It's fine. But yeah, so Roddy McDowell's back. He's doing the uh, Peter Vincent character again, and they're like, mm. "Oh, there's another vampire. Nobody believes me." Type of stuff. Um, but there's like some good. There's like some new character types. There's of course like black vampire on rollerblades. Um, there's the one guy Jonathan Freeze who's a, a kind of a more of a werewolf vampire than an, like a straight up vampire dude. 
Hmm. Um, I think is what they're going for. That all sounds cool. Yeah, it's like, it's not bad. It's like, if you want to watch, I mean, it wouldn't be a waste of your time to watch it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, well-made 88 type of horror. It's had some, sure. had some money behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last movie I'll talk about is uh, this movie called Last Shift. So this The Last movie, Shit? The Last Shift. Oh, okay. Just Last Shift. So this is a yep. movie that came out three years ago. It's got a really cool cover of this, like, Demon King on it. And you're like, whoa, this is going to be some, like, fighting crazy-looking black metal demons and stuff. Mm. But but no. So this is a movie. Uh, it is set on the last shift at a police department. So already this kind of feels like some sort of John Carpenter thing. Uh, right. Because, like, this Demon King also kind of looks like the – the leader of the ghost of Mars monsters uh, in a movie that I feel is greatly underappreciated. But uh, is that movie actually good? mm, Debatable. It, to me, it feels exactly like a Johnny Ryan comic. And if you think about it in that term, it's pretty good, Mm. but it's probably not a good movie. I just remember watching and being like, this is nowhere near as bad as people say compared to Mm. the things that they say are really good that are actually not very good. It was one of those moments. It's better than vampires. That thing is brutal. Yeah, but it's got your buddy James Woods in it. Yeah, my good close personal friend James Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so last shift. It's about this. It's about this lady cop. It's uh, it's her yeah. it's her first day on the job, and they've kind of like put her on this shift at this empty, closed out police department before they finish transferring some boxes and contaminated materials. And her job is basically just to hang out and wait for those dudes to show up. But then spooky things start happening. How spooky? Eh, pretty, pretty good. In fact, I'd say like the first 25 minutes, half hour of this are like awesome. I thought mm-hmm. I was like in store for like this like total like why is no one talking about this movie more? This is so well made. Um, this had like a bigger mm. theatrical release. Like people should have been talking about this a lot. But then the rest of the movie starts falling into place and all the little problems and overthinking start coming in. You go, oh, this is why no one talks about this thing. Because they, mm. they, they ruin it by giving you more information than you ever need and way too many coincidences. So, oh. like, yeah, there's just like stuff where it's like she's like, it's just like kind of puts you into the situation of like, uh, a woman who's like, you know, trying to be a cop, being in the uniform, trying to like live mm-hmm. in the world of men. And it's a tough world. And you have to put on this face of like putting up with shit and not looking weak. Uh, while really like, obviously like unnatural, supernatural things are happening. And, uh, and it's, it's shot really well. I'd say that the uh, MVP of this production is the cinematographer. Uh, the, mm. lay, the layout and stuff like that is really well done. Like it's always kind of like the camera's always kind of in the right place when they're building up these scenes. And like, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh shit, she's walking down the hallway. Oh God. Instead of, it's not boring. It's kind of like, Oh, what's going to happen? Cause there's always something that's happening. But then it starts getting into stuff where it's like, what's going on. And it's like, Oh, here's like the killer cult that like is the reason why they shut down the station because they killed themselves in the police station exactly one year ago tonight. And, <gasps> Her Ghosts. F- and her father was a cop that was killed. And it's like, would they really just like put this woman in the police station where her father was killed and like not think this was a weird thing? And <laughs> it's just like all these like things start ex- spilling out. And then there's like these like heavy handed exposition scenes of like, oh, there's this pr- woman who's a prostitute who's waiting out back 
out of nowhere like they have this whole like consistent like tone throughout and then they shift to this one scene that they seem to just shot that would normally be like left in on a dvd special feature and deleted scenes and it's, mm-hmm. it's in the movie still and it's just like wow that was really crazy what happened there last night or like or last year i can't believe it and they sang these songs and then of course right <laughs> after they say that all the creepy singing happens and you're just like oh i could that they needed to cut that out and then i was like oh that's too bad that scene was in there but then all these other things starts fall filling in scenes like uh oh oh opening up a door and there's a person standing there and then there're Jacob's ladder shaking their heads really fast and isn't that mm. isn't that spooky and it's just like no it's not was it spooky no it was just like it it, it, it starts ruining the movie okay it sucks um because like there's parts of it that are really really good and then there's the stuff where you're like oh this is just like lazy horror shit that Mm-hmm. Uh, a good director and an, uh, an Oz Perkins, he would, he would not do these things. He would step back and go, no, we're not going to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. I like Oz Perkins. Yeah. So yeah, this last shift, it's too bad that they, uh, they kind of ruin it because the director had these ideas of what he wanted to do. And, uh, but his cinematographer and stuff like that shot the good stuff really well. That it's like, it just, it, it's just teeters on like, this could have been a, like a very good movie. And instead it's kind of like, Oh so are you saying that instead of the last shift, it was more the last shit? I would not say that. So are you saying that uh, this is the last shit? Hey, RJ, you got any news for us? Uh, apparently, uh, your buddy Ari Aster, uh, hereditary director, is next movie is coming out next summer. What does that what does what does that entail? I don't know. I just saw like really weird things where it's like hereditary director being released next summer. I was like, are they gonna release hereditary again? Uh apparently uh the mix up is that that movie is about a pagan cult, which spoiler Jarrett, hereditary is about a pagan cult. Yeah. So it's it's good to see that this guy's really uh reaching out in his uh his oeuvre. Maybe he's going to make a, another Wicker Man. Uh, uh, this one, it, I, I just saw like a one mind description where it's like two Americans traveling in uh, Europe encounter a pagan cult. Okay. So, who knows? That's it. Cool. Hey, we got we have a criterion to talk about. What? I know. <laughs> oh, okay. After the break, uh, we're going to go check out those mild snoozeberries whoa well I'm just out of school I thought we were real cool gotta dance like a fool got the message that I gotta be a wild one oh yeah I'm a wild one gonna break and lose gonna keep up with the wild gonna keep us with
mi toccherà sedurre Victor se vorrò avere via libera. Sai, io preferisco le compagnie maschili. Per questo sono sfacciata. Capisco. C'è un altro uomo. <ride> non fare lo sciocco, Vera. Non fare lo sciocco, ma cosa dovrei pensare? Mi dici con una voce da funerale che vuoi parlarmi. Cosa direbbe la gente se tutta un tratto la chiamassi Isaac? Già, che cosa direbbe? Ci prenderebbe in giro tutte e due. Lei agisce sempre con saggezza, signorina Agda. Perlomeno ci provo. No, non dire così. E non te la prende. Io ho un altro difetto. Non muoio ancora. No. Bisogna toccare le lacrime delle donne, sono sacre. Lei è ciò che si suol dire una bella donna. Ma mia moglie sta scendendo la china, perciò non le costa molto difenderla. Non voglio che la nostra vita diventi così. Così come? Mi riferivo a quei due che ha fatto scendere. Oh. Come si chiamavano? Stavo anch'io pensando ad Alma e a sua moglie. Mi ricordavano molto il mio matrimonio. Ma noi due ci amiamo con molti auguri di lunga vita, di grande pace, gioia infinita. Con molti auguri. Abbiamo saputo che oggi è un grande giorno per te. Così abbiamo voluto festeggiarti con questi fiori e dirti, dirti che ti ammiriamo e che è davvero una cosa formidabile essere stato un buon dottore per 50 mm, anni. Sicuro. Non c'è dubbio che tu sia un uomo molto saggio e molto sapiente. <ride> una saggezza che ti avrà dato il modo di conoscere la vita e di condurre un'esistenza felice. E serena. Ora, 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 Grazie, grazie, grazie. Vi ringrazio molto, ma è meglio andare, siamo in ritardo. Eh, già è. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Wild Strawberries, directed by Ingmar Bergman from 1957. The synopsis here from Letterboxd, crotchety retired Dr. Isaac Borg travels from <laughs> it Stockholm. It doesn't say that, does it? Wait, 100% does. Crotchety old oh, man? Oh, let me bring you this up in a bit. Okay, sorry, do it again, but I crotchety retired doctor Isaac Bork travels from Stockholm to Lund, Sweden with his pregnant and unhappy daughter-in-law Marianne in order to receive an honorary degree from his alma mater. Along the way, they encounter a series of hitchhikers, each of whom cause the elderly doctor to muse upon the pleasures and failures of his own life. These include the vivacious young Sarah, a dead ringer for the doctor's own first love. <gasps> So I was going to get this one out here. There's like quite a few reviews and comments and stuff like that. Just talk like as descriptions of like of uh, Isaac. And I'm just like, where, who, why are they just parroting the same information over and over again of like his miserable and like just weird character assassinations of this guy? Because mm. I didn't find him that like particularly bitter or weird. From, I, th- I don't know. The way I got it was that it was like implied that it was before, but no, you're right. In the course of this movie, 
he's not super unpleasant. Like, yeah. if anything, he's actually a pretty nice dude. He picks up some hitchhikers. He, yeah. like, has lunch with them. But, yeah, I think it's, like, the way I took it was that it was implied for before. But, no, he's he, he seems okay. Yeah, he seems okay. I, I, I don't know. Seems all right. So, Wild Strawberries. So, this is a mm-hmm. long overdue first-time watch for me. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've never seen this one before. Yeah. Uh, so this this is uh, Bergman. This came out in that sweet spot mm-hmm. of when I first started collecting Criterion's, um, and like I, cause I remember like well actually the next movie uh, I have a story about that eight and a half, but uh, yeah this came out right in that window of time where you had like this string you had this Rashomon this eight and a half coming out and you're like whoa this Wild Strawberries is out there too, but uh, so this and this movie's got this like reputation that precedes itself. It's it's mm-hmm. Bergman's other masterpiece. It's it's his other uh, uh, seventh seal. It's, it's, Is that what people say? I think so. Like when you read a lot of people, their glowing praise of this thing. It's it's off the hook. They're always talking about it. Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen's made like what four different uh, movies doing this thing. He loves yeah. this movie. It's about about an academic, about like kind of a a family in disarray, people who don't mm-hmm. like one another. It has these intense real dramas playing out between people. Uh, there's a lot of and, and it's this death about dying and stuff like that, mm-hmm. looking back at your life and kind of having these fantasies and stuff like that. It's it's total uh, Allen territory. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? I've always had read this description about this crotchety retired doctor. And uh, I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be super into this movie. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. don't, I don't know. But I felt that same way about uh, Yasujiro Ozu's movies, like something like sure. Good Morning or Tokyo Story. Like you read mm-hmm. these, you know, you read the back of that box at the video store, looking around, look for things. And you're like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any like chainsaw deaths or like people like, you know, running around in masks, uh, sieging the uh, police station or something like that. These movies aren't those types of things. What movies are you thinking about? <laughs> the best kind. Who? What movies are where people siege a police station? Uh, Solo Precinct 13 from director John Carpenter. Mm, questionable. Yeah. It's true. There's a couple of these types of deals out there. Rio Continue, Bravo. Huh? You crotchety old man. Yeah. So uh, what did I think about this movie? Eh? Yeah, I I actually, I kind of suspected this. Wow. Okay. And that's fine. You tell me, tell me your rub on this, this okay. bad boy. You know, so okay, so this is for me in our creep. Uh, mm-hmm. This is mid tier Bergman. Uh, sure. Like for for the movies we have talked about previously, Seventh Seal, uh, mm-hmm. Autumn Sonata. I mean, these move those movies are like I, I think Autumn Sonata is like like a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to yes, say, I agree. this movie I feel is like kind of for me, kind of on the same level as like Cries and Whispers, which again, for some okay. people, that movie's like people love that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie looks great. Uh, it's not a perfect movie. And this had that similar feeling to me. And the biggest thing, though, uh, and one day we'll talk about this movie, but mm-hmm. after you watch Fanny and Alexander, uh, it's like he, he does everything that he ever wanted to do with that movie. And so when you're watching sometimes his older stuff, these mm-hmm. dra- these dramas, you're kind of like, oh, he did that better. He he's already topped himself, but it took him like twenty years to figure everything out. Yeah. Um. So for me, it's kind of like, oh, this is movie movie feels like such a letdown in comparison to like what sure. I guess I was expecting. Because at times, to me, this is like this is like the this is like Big Fish, <laughs> like uh, it, Tim Burton's Big Fish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it kind of like that's that movie came to mind. It felt like um this is the sort of this movie got made today. This would be like 
the movie people would be laughing about being like, oh, that's just Oscar bait. That's the movie that like they're just gonna go, the, the the guy's gonna get like a, a nod at the uh, Academy and this movie about like finding himself and oh, it's all about cis heterosexual white males <laughs> and like and everyone <sighs> just gonna be like just like whatever. Who cares about this movie? It's not about anything real and uh, it'll be like, totally forgotten about. That's kind would of would you cast as Isaac <sighs> today? Okay. Uh, Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis and Old Man, or Christian Bale, perhaps. You know who I think would be good? (laughs) Anthony Hopkins. Is he retired? What? Anthony Hopkins is retired, I think, but he came back for Odin. We'll get Gene Hackman out here to uh, reprise his... Also retired, and uh, probably also has dementia. Uh, Well, we could get Kirk Douglas to uh, rise from the grave to uh, (laughs) play Isaac. Oh, he's alive. Uh, Anyway, Mm. so, what are my problems with this movie? So, this movie's not that long. It's an hour and a yeah. half. I'm all about those run times. Mm-hmm. I felt this movie, I don't know, kind of dragged, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough. Um, I found that the vo- voiceover narration that this movie kicks off with didn't really work for me. It's so sure. it, it's so explicit. It just is kind of like, this is what the movie's going to be about. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. like, the whole movie is like, oh, I'm driving on this road and everything that I ever did is on the road. And so it's, it's very like this, yeah. it's this very, okay. it's like a literal metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like, seriously, it's like, I get this idea like, um, of that, you know, in Sweden, it's not a very big place. And like this idea that you wouldn't really leave the vicinity of where you were yeah. going, but also it's like the fact that they drove and it's like, Oh, but he was going to fly originally. And you're like, it wasn't that long, big of a long of a trip. Was it? Um, like wh- why would you need to fly it's the better all? part of a morning? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that seems like a lot of resources to go fly, but I guess, oh, he's an old man. Mm-hmm. He, it's, it's too uncomfortable to take this drive. He, he's in a flying style. He's, he's a doctor. God damn it. He's got money. Mm-hmm. To, he's got that money to throw around. Anyway, yeah. these, these are like weird nitpicky things that I'm just laying out there. Yeah. No, <laughs> get them all out, man. Get them. <laughs> hit it. So, okay. The plot itself, uh, of an old man reflecting on a rather unspectacular life. I mean, What's going on in this movie that's like is like worthy of film telling? I guess. I mean, and you can do a good version of these stories. Like you can tell like a, a spectacular life and tell it wonderfully. I don't know if this movie is like that gr- well told or that astonishingly told in that way that like when people talk about Ingmar Bergman, you talk about like this like master dramatist who gets down to the minutia of like day to day life of humanity and people and stuff like that, all through like the eyes, of course, like of like a Swedish man uh, with like these like beautiful statuesque Swedish women everywhere with like glowing platinum hair. Um, But at the same time, like the drama is like, Oh, you get these scenes that like you get the dinner table scene and it's like, Oh, when you watch Fanny and Alexander, you get like 10 of those, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're like exciting and interesting in this. They're kind of just like there. And I'm kind of like, who are all these characters? It, It seems like it's like a, research project more of like him figuring out ideas because I've seen the real deal come down the road where it's like mm-hmm. so polished and uh, like so involving. Um, let's see here. And then, okay. So there's that element of like what the movie's about, which is uh, we got our man, our uh, Mr. Borg, Dr. Borg. He's, he's going to go get mm-hmm. this honorary doctorate from his university. And uh, on the way with his like, son's wife who I guess like the movie the synopsis from Letterboxd where he tells us she's pregnant but that's kind of a reveal uh, which is like oh because that's like Mm -hmm. that's a poignant moment I guess Uh, and they're picking up hitchhikers who are youthful young exciting people and like 
I mean, I'd find them extremely annoying, but I would never in my life pick up hitchhikers. That seems to be a thing that maybe you did back in 1957. I don't know. Are, if people... are you saying you wouldn't like people to play music outside your window at like two in the morning when you're trying to sleep? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, getting run off the road by a couple of very angry middle-aged people. Um, the Jarrett's of the world. Oh, yeah. Man. So, okay. One of the, one of the, the first really good scene in this movie is uh, that guy. The, the <laughs> Yelling husband. at his wife. Oh, man. That is so brutal. That is, uh, mm-hmm. that is, some, that is some cringe cinema. That guy sucks yep. so bad. And when she lights him up with fucking slaps, it's like you don't even get it. But you're like, mm-hmm. oh, finally. And then when they dump him on the side of the road, it's so, like, depressing and, like, kind of, <laughs> like, sad because you're just like, oh, there's, like, no helping this. And you want it as far away from you as you can. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just kind of continues on with these, like, check marks of, like, oh, let's stop by my mom's house, which is also on this road. And she's kind of mm-hmm. weird, right? And then oh, your son's, like, kind of an asshole saying, hey, go get an abortion. I don't want to have this kid. Um, I got to pay back my bills. And uh, then they get to school. You get big, fancy, uh, ridiculously fancy, like, uh, ceremony that's, like, a far cry from a uh, any sort of a ceremony now at a university here in 2018, which is lots of, I don't know, it feels like flip-flops and yoga pants abound <laughs> rather than, like, uh, tails and uh, fancy ties. Well, when I got my master's, they uh, crowned me with a top hat. Oh, did they? Well, not the university. Oh. People I know did. At the bar? At the bar? Yeah, you were there. <laughs> I, I wasn't there for the, the hat. Oh. Uh, uh, it was the, a pizza I, hat. There, there, there was karaoke. There is video of the karaoke, though. That does exist somewhere in the world. We can make that a Patreon goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Continue about uh, the unimpressive... Uh, <laughs> Um, crowning or impressive, I guess, is what you were saying. Okay. So, yeah. You, so this is like, that's like the A plot. And then sure. on the, on the flip side is you get these, uh, these Ebenezer Scrooge esque kind of like daydream yeah. nightmares. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of like, I don't know. I, I could see people having like a, uh, making a lot of this stuff. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. like, uh, for some, like, actually, I found these, the image really stressful of like a, t- uh, a timepiece without hands. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. That kind of like gave me like fits. It's like, Oh, that, that, that bothers me way more than it should. Uh, th- that's that. I can't tell what time it is. I, I don't like mm-hmm. this at all. I don't know. It told me a lot about myself. You and didn't it, like it either. Jared. No, no one should like it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Time is important. Being, being on time is very important, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, and then you get faceless man and then, then he like, collapses into goo and then there's horses and there's stuff and you get these like i don't know you get these like some semi-surrealist kind of like dreamy things kind of remind me of spellbound with the faceless guy but not without salvador dolly Mm. laying down what dreams are really like um (laughs) oh yeah yeah limp flaccid uh gears and clocks yeah dripping in a Mm -hmm. landscape um how about that Max von Sydow? Oh, as a helpful gas station attendee <laughs> with a I, mustache? I, I, I had a pretty good chuckle at uh, him because it's like, oh, it's Max von Sydow. Because I saw him in the credits. I'm like, oh, what does he do in this? I was like, oh, he's a gas station attendant. He's not this like gallant knight playing uh, nope. d- d- death and chess or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't get it. 
I don't know why uh, people still talk about this movie in high regard. It's not bad, like, mm-hmm. at all. Like, I'm not saying that, but, like, after watching it, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. If I feel like you, you, you take away Bergman's name on this and you put someone else there, maybe people would like it more because it's like, oh, it's not even a Bergman movie. It's like, this is like, mm-hmm. this, this new young, this voice of, of a movie director we've never heard of has directed this movie. Everyone should watch it. But I feel like the same movie transposed, like, 50 years later, and it's kind of like, oh, people still kind of make these movies and we kind of laugh at them. So what mm-hmm. makes this one special? Because I feel like watching it, there was n- not enough big moments in it that I was like, mm-hmm. yes, wild strawberries. Finally, it's in my life. And I can add this to like, like, wow, I'm proud I finally watched it. It's kind of like, oh, that's it, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, you heard it here first. Jarrett Duncan hates Ingmar Bergman. Probably <laughs> hates Ingrid Bergman too, just for the hell of it. Yeah. Yeah, they, why not? Lousy Swedes. Mm. Why not... Uh... Ooh, that was in English. What uh, what all else you got to say there, big guy? Oh, I'll, I'll hand it off to you there, Hoss. Oh yeah, to me. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a rare treat. We are we're kind of in the uh, the inverse positions here, where I am the authority. Uh, I'm going to take reign of uh, Bing well, you're Bergman. The, you're here. the defender. I am the defender of this movie. Uh, I I actually like this movie quite a bit. Is it super awesome? No. Uh, it's not Seventh Seal good. Uh, I also agree. I do think Autumn Sonata is better than this as well. Um, that's why I was surprised that you th- said that uh, this is in such high regard, which I didn't even really realize, which I'll, 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 I'll get to with my story with Wild Strawberries. But I would have always thought Fanny and Alexander was bigger than Wild Strawberries, which maybe it is to criterion chumps like us. But uh, I guess no one's going to be watching Bergman if they're not criterion chumps. This is very true because I don't think there's anything that's Bergman that's not in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, well, very, very little. Like his last movie, maybe, but yeah, his last one is that the Sep- remake of Sep- Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that one called Saraband. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I've seen Wild Strawberries before, and now I'll give you a little bit about my my story with Wild Strawberries, which is I think in part. Uh, why I like this movie quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I do really like wild strawberries. I think it's wicked cool, uh, for a few reasons. So this movie was given to me, uh, by my old boss, like my old PI at uh, the university. Um, like a private investigator, primary investigator. Yeah. So, uh, like all these professors, like science ones, at least, I don't know outside of sciences, but, um, like the main research profs. Uh, So like in our lab, we studied learning and memory and uh, me and him talked about movies all the time. And with learning and stuff, he like, we were talking about movies and he asked me what like some of my favorite movies were. And uh, one of my all time faves I've mentioned before is eternal sunshine. Uh, So I was bringing that up and he was like, you know what I think you would like is wild strawberries. And uh, I was like, really? And uh, I know that might seem weird, no. but there are, there are things that I connect between the two. So the reason my boss likes Wild Strawberries is because it's all about memory and reflection. Uh, but it's also about like this the sad nature of research, I think, and that academic pursuit. Uh, so this is kind of like what uh, I was talking about last week in the preamble about First Man, where it's that like, that career 
drive that like overpowers everything else. Uh, I think which it's only really like what you were saying. This guy doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. It's just kind of alluded to a lot. Right. But I, I, I really um, sympathize, sympathize and understand where he's coming from and the way that they build up his like background, because that's kind of like what I thought uh, with research. And I think a lot of people get that vibe by the time they go through it. Not everyone, like, I don't know what it would be, maybe not even 50, 50, but uh, a lot of the people that I was with, that was kind of what it was like. People got really burned out by it. And then you see these older crotchety uh, professors or doctors and you kind of feel sad for them at sometimes like not all of them either like there's some guys who who just love what they do and that's awesome but there are also people who are so overtaken by their their research that they don't really have anything else and i think it kind of puts you into a corner for a lot of other life things so i relate or i i like this movie because i have a special way to relate to it whereas like that was in part, some of my experience when I was doing academic research. And one of the reasons that I didn't really want to pursue it anymore afterwards. So this is very personal to me. But uh, I think it's, why not Why, why not tell this story? I'm usually the guy who's making fart jokes and, and all that stuff. So here's a little emotional uh, background to uh, my character, Jarrett, in case uh, our three fans were wondering. Um, but I... I do really like it. And I think it's, I think it's kind of accurate for this like 50 year old movie. And I, I think you can still find that a lot today with uh, professors. So I relate to it for, for those reasons. I also really like some of the weight, like I just kind of like this movie about where it builds up on like guilt and penance and regret in regards to those things. And I dig that. Uh, and then I also, I like the memory stuff cause I just really like, uh, I mean, obviously that's what my thesis was on, was on memory. So I dig it. I like that stuff. And, uh, I've always liked dream world sequences and like you were talking about, uh, this first one, I think is really cool. I, I love the clock thing. Uh, I like when the carriage is stuck. I like the melting goo, man. I think that's pretty rad. Uh, his later ones, I think they get a little too explorative, uh, explorative where, He's like venturing off into things that he wasn't really a part of, but it's his own mind and probably things the way I took it was these are probably things he's thought about his whole life. And now he's just like kind of dreaming about them. Well, there's like, the, there's, the, there's like the test and the uh, interrogation type. of Yeah. One. Well, that one, uh, the one I, I, I think about more is um, when he's at his family's dinner, but he wasn't actually there. So it's not really his memory, but I kind of I relate to that also where there's a lot of things that I wasn't actually a part of, but you either think about it so much or you hear about it from other people where it becomes part of your memory. And then you have this idea of how that situation or event kind of played out, even though it might not actually be accurate or realistic in a way. So I that that's one thing that I like as well. I do think that some of his dreams are a little too much like in in a few regards but uh i like that mostly 
Uh, I thought his dreams were uh, equal parts Empire Strikes Back, which I think just really lifted <laughs> oh, from yeah. uh, his first dream. Yeah. And then uh, Barney Gumbel's uh, short film about alcoholism. <laughs> I was also getting vibes on this. Uh, don't cry for me. I'm already dead. <laughs> um, I, I really like that. And then I actually kind of like the framing of this story with the hitchhikers where and the journey that he goes on, because I think it does a really good job of having parallels with his past, which is what the movie's about, but then also parallels with his future, like with his mother, where she's like this shitty old lady that no one wants to be around. And he's kind of like, oh, is that me now? Am I the same person? But then he sees it in his son as well and uh, his daughter-in-law. But then in the hitchhikers too, there's like those playful, the playful youth that he kind of was and then you have those really bitter ass uh hateful married middle-aged people which he experienced as well so i think at each point of this it's like a good parallel to for him to kind of have an introspective like look at himself it's like well where does this fit or where, where does my life fit in these experiences which is i think what a lot of people do it's like how does this relate to me um, so I think that stuff is all really cool. And those are reasons why I like this. Uh, I also, I, I really like the jokes in this movie, uh, like the old bickering, but the way that some things are set up where like when the lady has a cigarette, he's like, no smoking for women. He's like, that's undignified. And he's like, hand me a cigar, babe. He's like, smoking is a vice of men. Uh, like it's a lot of like really quick ones like that, where he'll say something but then he'll do the opposite. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. That's uh, that's funny. That's real funny, Jarrett. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to read my notes here, but they're a little bit scraggly. Um, Was it because mm, your uh, tears ran from your face and, and just distorted uh, the image? There is talk of women's tears. That's two weeks in a row where not to trust a woman's tears. Mm. Uh, I think in this one it says, don't get in the way of a woman's tears. And I was like, ooh, shit. Uh, one quote I thought was really funny is when his like his cousin is telling him, or like his old wife, whatever, is telling him about stuff. And uh, it's like, she maybe it's his cousin basically like breaks up with him and is like smile don't why won't you smile and he's got like real sadness in him i like that scene but then i think it's really funny where the way she's talking she's basically like why don't you smile you sad sack of shit like kind of lays it on as she's trying to like cheer him up i was like oh yeah that's good stuff i like it but i do know what you mean uh like your criticisms i do think there are some inconsistencies with the narration that I think throw it off a little bit. And I, I do, it does kind of, it really falls into, I think a common, common, like well tre treaded ground. Was it at the time? I don't know, maybe, right. but uh, just yeah. the, not even the story itself, but the structure of the story where it's like, here's this, there's, he does this and then there's that. So it is, it is like very, well covered it's it's been done before yeah so it feels like i, I understand yeah. your criticisms well if, if, yeah i mean there's definitely a elements of the movie where it feels like this would be a great uh project or a, a movie for like a writing a film essay because sure. it's like oh it's got all these elements to pull on look at oh you can really break it down and write like 10 pages on this and <laughs> you one i'm sure people have uh and they've written longer but it, it's it has that kind of vibe to it but at mm -hmm. the same time kind of like I don't enjoy watching this movie a great deal. Like it was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, this is 
a movie. It's happening. This, the scenes, it never, uh, it never grabbed me. Yeah. And, and that's totally fine. Like that was kind of, to be honest, that's kind of why I, I wanted to lay out why I actually like this movie quite a bit. Well, I'm curious I, why, why you th- thought I wasn't going to be crazy about this movie. But not before I had rewatched it because I, I think when I watched this originally, it was probably like three years ago, mm-hmm. but uh, just watching it now, I don't know. There were certain aspects of it. I was like, I don't know if Jared's going to be on board with all this. I thought that you would like the dream sequences and I thought that you would like the shitty stuff, like <laughs> like the shitty married couple. Yeah. But I thought um, there were certain scenes that I thought uh, I thought wouldn't land with you because they were maybe a little too fluffy. Like uh, when they stop to pick flowers and <laughs> when they like sing to him outside of his his room, like like wake him up. I was like, I don't think Jared's going to be on board with that stuff because to be perfectly honest, I'm not really on board with that stuff either. But uh, the things I like about this movie outweigh the things I don't like. So I uh, those reasons mostly is uh, there were certain things that I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to land with Jared. Mm. Yeah, I do but, have a, uh, a heart of coal. You do? Yeah. Hmm. It takes a lot to to like really get to me. And it's like this sort of stuff. It's kind of like, yeah, it's, I see what you're doing, but it's not, it's not, yep. it's not flying. It's not, it's not going hard enough. It's not going in the right way. I get it. Like I said, I, I understand your criticisms and, uh, I mostly, uh, echo those to an extent. Like I, I feel the same way for a lot of that stuff, but, uh, no, I don't know. I, I have a deeper, bond with this movie it really speaks to me Jarrett. Yeah. but uh no i don't know i i did this movie for a lot of personal reasons so i'm not the most objective critic of it i guess did you know rj that uh bergman wrote the screenplay uh while in hospital well because he was being treated uh for two months for recurrent gastric problems and general stress. I thought you were going to say recurrent gas, and I I thought that was super funny. Yeah. So just stick with that, okay? Gastric problems. It seems like it's. Uh... Uh, do you think he was just blowing ass a lot? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, Answer I'll, the question. I'll, I'll leave it to you. I'll leave it to you and the listeners. Okay. Well, uh, I did not know that, but uh, that's fun. So you know what? You know what? He was probably like super sick and alone and lonely and was just like contemplating his life and he's like what is he's like what is all this horse shit that i've done in my life right was it worth it to be the man who brought the world this movie these movies was it worth it to be the man who discovered max van cito and did troll uh troll Jurgen or <laughs> the magic flute the magic flute troll flute was it worth it? Yeah. Jared? He, he hadn't made that yet, but yeah, he would one day. Was it worth it, yeah. Jared? I don't know. But I wonder, RJ, who what? who hates wild strawberries? Um, there, there's a, I'm, sh- so, I'm sure there's a small contingent. Yeah. So this, this jumps around a little bit because there's a lot of uh, one-liners that I just skipped over, but so you keep up with me here. So sure. first up here is Jamie, uh, okay. one star. In high school, I was forced to watch this because the president of our film club was super pretentious and obsessed with making us watch old philosophical movies that don't make any sense. And every day, I pray to God and beg him to give me back the one hour and 33 minutes I spent watching this movie. How dare someone make me watch a movie that you actually have to think about? 
If you're considering watching this movie, do yourself a favor and instead just pop in your Romy and Michelle, oh, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion high school DVD reunion. and put it on your moisturizing mm-hmm. face serum and go to bed. Maybe they're being facetious. Um, they're not. That is one of their favorite movies. So interesting. I, it seems like there's a there's a tone shift there, and then it's like, oh no, they're actually saying that. Sincere. But it sounds sarcastic. <laughs> it does sound sarcastic. Yeah, this person really likes rom coms and movies like Freaky Friday, the Jamie Lee Curtis smash remake, Big Fat Liar with Frankie Muniz, uh, Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. Ferris Bueller. Uh, movies like The Big Sick. Hmm. Movies like The Big Sick. <sighs> and Edward Scissorhands, for some reason, which seems out of place. You know, I, I don't... I'm wondering why this person's at a film club. I also am wondering why this person... They have a list. Movies I watched like 500 times as a kid because I was an obsessive only child who's life revolved around TV. Uh, Lizzie McGuire, Freaky Friday, Parent Trap. seems like that's the only movies this person likes. Okay. <laughs> and they have a letterbox account. Um, yeah. Grammy Boy XD. Grammy Boy. Yeah. Two stars. Kind of hard to be moved or touched when you're bored to death. I know this film is about death, but I doubt its intentions is to make viewers feel like they are dying while watching the film excruciatingly slow, dull, blunt, and pretentious. I find it interesting that they talk about pretension. Yeah. Pretension. And uh, they got a lot of love for Call Me By Your Name, Arrival, the Star Wars movies, your favorite movie, Manchester by the Sea. (laughs) (sighs) Daniel Mosley, two stars. It's not that this film was overly bad. Victor Schostrom in the lead was actually quite good. It was more that it just became boring after the weird surreal dream sequence. Borg would think back on his childhood dreams to his mother nagging at the dinner table. And my God, that woman would not stop bitching. Why would you want to remember that of all things? This and the biggest annoyance of the film being every young person, period. He meets a young girl traveling with two guys after his first reminiscence, and she just kind of invites herself and companions for a lift in his car. She then proceeds to be annoying as hell, and he eats it up. Oh, what young blondes do to old men. Perhaps I just don't get it, but I thought at one point I knew for sure where this film was heading, only to be left with an ending that not only didn't go that route, but made the entire rest of the film seem like a waste of time. (laughs) Mm. That's uh. That's a sizzling take. I don't know. Like that seems to be exactly where the movie's going to go. I wasn't really listening to what you were talking about. Uh, I'm too involved in their their favorite movies, which I'll get to. But they have a list of movies, and it's called "How Did This Movie Get Made?" And I have some drastic different opinions as from this. Person. In the podcast, because there's a podcast called that. Is that what this thing is about? Uh, there is. A oh, pod- it is. Yeah. Well, fuck this podcast. They're talking about movies like Tango and Cash. Yeah. What do you in Congo? Those are good movies. Come on. Sleepaway Camp, Cobra with Stallone. Yes. Yeah. There's a, it's a podcast with the oh, what's his name? There's a comedian and a bunch of people involved. It's a very Whatever. Po- it's a very popular podcast. Whatever. This person's five star movies, Jared, include Three Billboards Over Ebbing, Missouri, Ooh. Die Hard. Ooh. I saw The Devil. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, that movie stinks. Uh, Avengers, Infinity War, La La Land, your favorite movie, In Bruges, uh, Chasing Amy, Clerks. Uh, shall I continue? Pirates of the Please, Caribbean no, one, no, the Breakfast no, Club, no, uh, Jurassic Park, the Green Mile. What? All right. Ready for one oh, more? Yeah, yeah, hit it. Two and a half stars. Watched by Fair. Uh, that's P H E R. It took me a full hour and 20 minutes in to realize that most of Deconstructing Harry, one of my favorite movies ever, is an homage to Wild Strawberries. That being said, wasn't really feeling it. So uh, as I was mentioned before, uh, there's Woody Allen basically loves this Wild Strawberries. It's made like four different versions of it. And Deconstructing Harry, uh, his like ode to Wild Strawberries slash uh, author Philip Roth is exactly this movie where it's like him uh, going through his old life and him like being a piece of shit, dating women and going, what the fuck? It's the most sweary Woody Allen's ever been in his life. And actually, I think the movie's actually, it, the last time I watched it, I really liked it because it's just like so different from Woody Allen. And uh, I guess by that measure is better than Walt Strawberries until I rewatch it. Do you want to hear something weird? What's that? So this fur person, this happens every fucking week. I didn't say it before because I was like, whatever. That's a, a that's a common movie. But the last three people who have begged on uh, Wild Strawberries all have whiplash in their favorite films. Huh. Not five stars, but in their favorite films, which I find really weird because Whiplash is also a movie about like obsession and things like that. And it's like, I know that that's not super... Uh, obvious in Wild Strawberries, but the undertones are there. Uh, this person also has five stars for Die Hard. So, I don't know. It's just weird that Whiplash is like uh, these people's champion movies, but they just shit on Wild Strawberries. Uh, I mean, there's those are like such, I don't know. I don't even see a link. Like I see like, there's such different experiences. While I'm here, you know what I fucking hate? I've mentioned before. There's a bunch of reviews here where like one says two and a half stars, 43 out of 100. Why give it a number representation when you already have the star thing? It's like, oh, it's more accurate when you got numbers. You shut up. <laughs> Don't do that. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Uh, hey, yeah. I have good opinions on things, Jared. That's what the fans want. That's what they want. So, yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, Wild Strawberries. Uh, just kind of there for me. RJ's a fan. But, uh, hey, folks, watch Fanny and Alexander. Watch that six-hour cut. That That is some. That is awesome. So good. Yeah, that that six-hour cut is actually really good. Yeah, it's it's like I remember, like, after watching, I was like, oh, I didn't want it to end. How many six-hour movies can you say that about? Hmm. At least one in the, that director's cut of Tree of Life that's 20 hours long oh, or that Infinity War thing that's a, a million hours long. You could always watch, I don't know, Satan Tango, some Bella Tar films. Those are fun. Who's Satan? Uh, Tango and Cash? Yep. One and the same. Hmm. After the break, um, I don't know, like, we're going to go for a drive and conveniently every single element of our past is just conveniently on that road. And we're going to reminisce and, uh, we're going to wind up happy on the other side with doctorate degrees. That's pretty cool. Um, that's kind of like our normal life though. 
Yeah, doctorate in podcasting. <laughs> uh, you're pretty close to that. Getting there, getting there. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Field. Nothing is real, and nothing to get hung about. Strawberry Fields forever. Living is easy with eyes Standing all you see It's getting hard to be someone But it all works out It doesn't matter much So RJ, do you have any hot cousins? Um, wouldn't you like to know? That's why I asked You can email us at the Criterion Creeps email that's you could Criterion Creeps at gmail.com and tell us about your hot cousins mm-hmm. we've got a Facebook page uh. we're on Instagram we're on Letterboxd I'm Jared Duncan he's Barnloaf we're on YouTube we've got a Patreon uh, SoundCloud Stitcher iTunes Google Play you can get that content next week there is no next week it's going to be a skip week folks uh, I'm moving. Why, Jared? I'm moving. And uh, next Wednesday falls on Halloween night. Uh, so I think we're committing ourselves to uh, chilling out, watching some some horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll figure something out. There's probably going to be a ghoul school sometime next week. It all depends when that uh, internet man comes and sets up stuff on my end. There and, might be. Yeah. And then... Uh, after that, on our next scheduled Wednesday, the week after that, Spine 140, mm. the, the return of Federico Fellini to the Criterion <sighs> Creeps. The fart. Eight and a half. Um, I've seen this Fellini movie before, you're, Jared. You're aware of this film. I'm in the know. Yeah. It's one mm. of those all-time bangers. Huh? It's, it's about film itself. Yeah, but is is that even... <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, Fellini. Marco. Whatever. Says, yeah. The fart. Yeah. Good night. Um, I'm tired. I have to pack. Let's end this. Yeah, let's end this thing. Bye. Bye. <laughs>